There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 02890-333-105. What about Malachy's with an I? <laughs> Malachy, good morning. Shortabye. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Prince Malachy of How are you? I am very, very well, very well. well there, there, have, there have been Franks, have there? Well, Francis, have there? No, Only no. popes, only popes. Only popes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's even better. <laughs> I know. If I'm not like tweak my headphones here because I'm only, ha- only half hearing you. Uh, Malik, yeah. Malachy, in relation to what's going to be happening uh, today, um, talks because... Father Martin McGill said they must have talks, embarrassed into having talks, or am I being too cynical? Um, whether or not, and I think, I think actually, I mean, the, the, there was no way we were going to get any distance without an attempt to put things back together again, and it might not have happened at precisely this moment if Martin hadn't made the speech he, the speech he made. But, uh, and it is an awkward timing because between elections. But both the DUP and Sinn Féin now need this sorted out. You know, you just look at the positions they're in. Uh, the DUP have got this big, uh, strong position in Westminster, uh, or at least a very high profile within the Westminster game. But that game's going to end. I mean, there's going to be, I would thought, quite soon a general election. They could lose that position. You could find very possibly a very, very high prospect of this, uh, a crash out on a no-deal Brexit, and them taking the blame for that in Northern Ireland. And, and not wanting to go into an election uh, in that position. So actually, you know, they, they, they could end up in, in a matter of weeks or months with no other major political game to play but what they have here. And what they have here without the Assembly is just a few councils. So, so they need it. Sinn Féin need it for other reasons. Sinn Féin, I think, made a tactical, strategic mistake. I never quite know the difference between tactical and strategic, do you? Anyway... They made a big mistake in uh, 2017 in not settling terms uh, on the basis of the March 17 uh, Assembly election, which brought them virtually level pegging uh, with the DUP. And, I mean, if you're you're after equality, which they say they're after equality, the the, the equality that matters in parliamentary terms is the equality of numbers. Now, looking at the uh, local government election uh, returns, they're going to see that if they go into an assembly election in the near future, 
they might take a hit, they might actually get a knockback. They might not be able to recover to the position they were at in March 17, and they will have failed to capitalise uh, on a high point in their in their vote. And you know, you think what they could have done within uh, within that, you know, being virtually level pegging with unionism, they could have insisted that they end all this nonsense about a, a deputy first minister. There's absolute parity here, and that's it. And they could have said, for instance, we're we're an end to this nonsense of a an independent uh, justice minister, you know, from another party or from the alliance or, or whatever, you know, will just insist on that being within the haunt. They could have called terms quite sharply, and and they lost that moment because they wanted, and they gained, they had gained an electoral advantage from the, the, the confronting the DUP, but then they didn't capitalise on that electoral advantage, and they now are in the position of seeing that uh, fritter away and, and decline. So my reasoning is, and others may disagree with me. Sinn Féin and the DUP absolutely need the Assembly back. Now, how do they get it back without facing some degree of humiliation? Because the DUP, you know, uh, will find it very, very hard to concede on an Irish Language Act uh, when that was the hurdle that they couldn't face uh, last in February of last year. And uh, the and Sinn Féin will find it very hard to concede on even the terms that they were ready to deal on last year, which was actually setting aside their demand for same-sex marriage, for instance. And since then, they've beefed up their demand for abortion law reform, which is a tricky one for them. But still and all, they, they need this. So if I was making cold-headed tactical or strategic calculations for either party, I would be saying we're going to sw- have to swallow a very big pill here, but we're going to have to get this back, or we'll never get it back, and, 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 we, will, and we will proceed into deeper decline if we don't. So they're going to go through these working groups. The working groups won't just, yeah. won't just have the DUP and Sinn Féin. All the parties will be in the, in the working groups and they'll try and address the issues such as the Irish Language Act or the reforming of the, whatever you would call those stormant structures, the petitions of concern and things yeah. like that. They'll be, they'll be looking at the, the issues of rights that are often spoken about, particularly by, by, Sinn, by Sinn Féin. The, the working groups sound to me like talking shops. Don't they? Don't they? It's, and I mean, I think uh, Simon Coveney made this point, you know, when at the press conference where he announced this talk, you know, they weren't going to rush into something. You know, I think, you know, the other problem to this is it has to be a deal little stick. You know, the, it, the worst possible thing that could come out of this experience is that the parties would be reaffirmed in their understanding that all they have to do if they don't get their way is walk out. You know, if you then if that happens, you know, if you they go back in without some much more comprehensive deal than they've had to date, would you believe in it? I mean, would you believe, you know, that the next time Sinn Féin and the DU appear in deadlock over something, that one of them isn't going to take a huff and, and go for the door? Because I wouldn't, and I think a lot of people wouldn't. They wouldn't have faith in it. We need something that, that underpins us in a way that we can really believe in it. And the other thing we have to I look wouldn't to believe is them. I wouldn't believe them, Malik, if you told me Man City won last night. Did they? I, I don't follow football. <laughs> well, there's a wonderful line in Jeremiah, yea, though they say the Lord lives, they speak falsely, you know. So I suppose that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the same point, you know, that even when they're telling the truth, they're lying, you know. 
But isn't it it shocking to think that we are being so depressed about it? Maybe maybe cynical. Maybe we've just been covering it for so long, listening to them talk, being let down by them for ever and a day. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe we're being incredibly unfair towards them. I don't think we're being unfair towards them. They will be. They will make political calculations in their own interests. And that's what they'll do. And for once now, their own interests are the same. Their interest isn't having the assembly back. But there's another thing happening in in politics here, and it's not the overall revolution that the, you know people would hope it to be. But but it is the rise of the middle ground. You know, I I remember a very seasoned journalists saying, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, you know, this notion of there being a middle ground in Northern Ireland is nonsense. It actually isn't the middle ground. There's only moderate unionists and moderate nationalists, but there's still moderates and na- there's still unionists and nationalists. And what we have seen throughout the history of Northern Ireland is critical, traumatic moments like August 69, like the hunger strikes, like Drum Cree, where were the whole division locked solid and practically everybody was clearly on one side of the line or the other and you could have predicted what side they were on and 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 we can go back to that you know you can you can play that trauma again and we can and we can have that that awful division just uh, you know setting like concrete but uh, but we're in a period now where where there is there is a middle ground and it's a very liberal middle ground it's a very secular middle ground you know it's something that a lot of us have really wanted to see here and maybe it's partly the Lyra McKee effect or the Martin McGill speech it's just the rise of the Greens it's it's the personality of Naomi Long it's uh, you know it's the issues that are in play like same-sex marriage abortion law reform women's rights and so on but we do have that and it is um, you know Sinn Féin see it and what Sinn Féin are trying to do is claim <laughs> claim that it's that they're part of it you know we're part of the progressive alliance you know and and we're actually the biggest party in it. Whereas, you know, the middle ground kind of sees Sinn Féin as, as a faction and, and as part of the problem. But still in all, we have a middle ground. And we are moving to a situation, who knows whether in the 5, 10, 15 years' time, where the middle ground will... Well, we're already at a stage in local government in many places, Belfast certainly, and coming to it in Stormont, where the middle ground will have to be incorporated into the executive. I mean, what happens when you reach a point where the middle ground, the alliance and the other parties, uh, in cooperation with each other, not designated as representing nationalist or unionist community, are, are so big that no law can be passed anyway without their cooperation. You know, then, then the, the community designation requirement breaks down. It becomes an obstacle to, to the democratic process. So that's maybe how we move on and how we, how we ultimately erode, uh, the sectarian structures of Northern Ireland. But, you know, the, uh, if you're looking at, if you were DUP, if you were Sinn Féin, you know, you would, you would see that you're either going to have to develop a politics that stands firm and conservatively against uh, what I would call liberal secular reform in Northern Ireland, or you're going to have to go with it, you know. And I think ultimately they have to go with it. Sinn Féin's calculation is you go with it and, and, and even try and take ownership of it. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out, you know. But... Um, but we are in a time of change. We're in a time of flux. 
And uh, if I was Michelle O'Neill or whoever it is that's making decisions within Sinn Féin, I would be saying, hang on, guys, we lost our moment back there, you know. We were on equal terms with the DUP in this assembly, and we're not even in there to let everybody see that, you know. And if I was uh, the DUP, if I was Arlene Foster, uh, if she still has her job after the RHI report comes out, I would be saying, look, um, you know, we we played our game in Westminster. Uh, we had a huge national profile for a while, uh, but we're going to get the blame if this is no deal, and and nobody's going to love us, uh, and and we're not going to have that. We're not maybe for another twenty years before we have uh, uh, the balance of power advantage in Westminster again. So so our only field of play. Uh, the only place we can make a difference to anything uh, is Stormont and, and we just, just do need to get back in there. Maliki, thank you very, very much indeed. Alex Gaines listening to all of that, political commentator as well. How do you see it as they go back to talks today and working groups and all of that that they're going to find out about, Alex? Well, there's one thing, morning, Frank. Um, one thing interests me in all of this. First of all, I don't think, I think that the DUP and Sinn Féin, I think that the, the chasm between them is still absolutely enormous on a whole range of issues. Um, that's going to be difficult. The other thing, while the leadership of, of both Sinn Féin and the DUP, I think, do have a genuine interest in getting the Assembly up and running on the basis that, you know, it, 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 it's good for PR, it's good for being able to say we got things done, all that. What I sense, I'm talking to some of the DUP and, uh, and Sinn Féin key players, what I think they've recognised as well, that same enthusiasm for the Assembly up and running again, you know, consensually and cooperatively, isn't working down, you know, through to the grassroots. A lot of their voters seem happy enough to keep the polarisation, to keep the distance between them. And I think that's going to make it difficult, which is why when, you know, when, when, when the DUP and the leadership clearly in the negotiating team clearly thought about the possibility of an Irish language, it wasn't. I mean, it, it was the, it was their grassroots. They got the, you know, it came through over that weekend. They didn't want it at the time in 2017 when they, when, after Martin McGuinness's resignation letter, I'd done a number of events and been organised by Sinn Féin, including one in Dublin. And it was quite clear there as well, just talking to ordinary grassroots people, members who weren't elected anyway, just chatting to me. And saying, no, 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 we don't know. what it, it hasn't served our purpose. So what you have, Frank, is the grassroots of both those parties saying this assembly, this arrangement isn't serving the purposes of republicanism towards United Ireland. It isn't services in the public, the, 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 what the, the, the needs of unionism in terms of securing and, and, and propping up the United Kingdom. And that, as well as the chasm, that is the problem because parties, Maliki and Lewis, well, parties must always be very careful about moving too far ahead of their, of their grassroots because while members will be quite happy to you know get their salaries increased again and get the expenses and so on, a lot of ordinary people in who support parties, they don't see any of those benefits. They don't see any of that. The parties need to tread carefully at the minute. So it's a reminder that it's all about getting elected the next time. It's not about representing all of the people in the country and what's best for all of the people. Oh, no, I, I think that's always been clear. <laughs> Both Sinn Féin and the Democratic Unionists would not tell you. You know, if, Frank, here's a basic gut truth in all of this. If, if both of those parties signed, 2007, you know, signed up, took a huge leap with each other, signed up to govern the country, and everyone thought, oh, this is great, the pigs are flying around the storm and chandeliers, and the Prime Ministers and Taoiseachs are here, the way forward is clear. It wasn't. It soon became quite clear, for whatever the reasons, that what we, the result of those two parties coming together was increasing 
polarisation and that the DUP will tell you what's their priority in government. It's to maintain the union, it's to uphold the union, it's to stop the Sinn Féin agenda. We still hear that language. It's to stop a Sinn Féin border poll, it's to stop Sinn Féin and Irish language. It's to, and the same with Sinn Féin, it's to stop the DUP telling us all of that negative language between them, Frank, gives its own message. And, and what, what's the result then of the polarisation? Both of them both of them continue to increase their overall vote. So if they're going to take a risk, they have to ask themselves, can we bring enough of our electric with us on this occasion? And because the gap between them is so narrow, we we're talking a couple of percent now between the DUP and Sinn Féin, it's a brave man who will take a risk in those circumstances. So is, is, is this a bluff then of what, what's happening today, what may be happening over the next number of days? Is this just lip service sparked by the demand made so publicly by Martin McGill? No, because I think if you, if you go back, the, the, this talks process was actually announced at the end of March. The Secretary of State t- stood in the House of Commons, I think it was the 27th, 28th of March, and said that the would said, we are now preparing, I've talked to um, Simon Coveney, we're now preparing a, a gap, and that gap between the end, and this is before she knew about the Euro elections, the gap between the end of the local government elections in Northern Ireland and the beginning of the marching season, that period from today, basically, after the bank holiday, 7th of May to the end of June, that had already been pencilled in, the parties had already been told about it. I think there was some hope that after Lira's death and the slight change in momentum and so on, that would that would give a, some sort of um, kickstart. Because here's the truth, and, and you know, they, they're talking about working parties, Frank. They've had, what, two and a half years now. Like, if My experience in all of this over the years is that before you get to the formal talks anywhere, parties talk in the background. They have interlocutors. They have people who, who go from one to the other and say, look, if, if, if you were minded to do this and we responded this way, could you live with that? So by the time they actually get to the talks process, a lot has been set in motion. You know, they've already said we can do this, this and this, we can't do that. I'm not sensing any of that. I mean, the very fact that they said, "Oh, let's have uh, let's have uh, some sort of working group yeah, to, to to decide what right? what have they been doing? I'm sorry, what have they been doing the past two and a half years? What have they been doing since the the last talks process collapsed last February? I get the sense that there is no movement at all anywhere. That that remains the case, and they're just going in to say give the 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 optic that somehow they're, they're they're doing the talk. And and the other thing is worth bearing in mind, you know, because Arlene Foster said many many times, oh. All the other parties, apart from Sinn Féin, remain ready to go into the government immediately. That is not the case. Alliance, the, very, the very fact that Alliance ended up with, with, with Claire Southern taking justice ministry last time was that Alliance couldn't agree with the DUP and Sinn Féin on a range of issues and therefore refused to take the justice ministry department. The SDLP have, have clear differences with the DUP and Sinn Féin on issues. The UUP has already said it's not keen on an Irish Language Act. So this notion... But all you need to do is a bit of tinkling between the DUP and Sinn Féin. Suddenly there'll be an agreement. It isn't that simple either. There's so much. And what it boils down to, Frank, it's confidence and trust in each other. And I just don't. When you talk to them privately, you don't get any of that at all. And that is probably the most worrying factor of all. It's almost like, you know, oh, I suppose we'll have to do something. I'll be seen to do something. But you know something? Do we really want Do we really want to be governing with each other? That's what worries me, Frank. There's no... I remember the hope. I remember the genuine enthusiasm that existed for a brief period from mid-1997 to maybe 1999. There was this moment that maybe, just maybe, 
we've crossed some sort of Rubicon. We were about to enter a new era in Northern Ireland. And that's where my pessimism is sealed from, Frank. All of that. I've seen all of that. And I went to meetings. I went to the middle of nowhere. You know, as an Ulster unit to say to people, you know, this is we, it's worth taking this risk. And I just look now, 21 years later, and, you know, and just, my daughter, 20-year-old daughter, who had her first boat, you know, two years ago, and she just says, and her friends, she says, what's the point of all this? You know, the, that assembly we all voted for, which is our first vote, it isn't meeting, you know, they're barely talking, this isn't happening. That, that generation, Frank, I'm, I'm actually terrified that that generation is already opting out of the whole process. It is so worrying listening to uh, both of you. Seasoned campaigners, uh, Alex Kane and Malachi O'Doherty, thank you uh, very, very much indeed. This is the U105 phone-in. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.